1: get out your Bibles or a Bible app. You can get the worship guide out and take notes as well, but go to chapter six and we're going to pick up in verse nine. And so um, what do we got going on here? I've been saying this every week, but it's just a brief reminder. You have this new church in Corinth planted by Paul, people coming out of paganism, first generation Christians. God saves them. They come into the church, but um start this church, and as they're leading this church, and as these things are going on in the church, sin comes into the church. Things from their fat past life, they're bringing into the church, and you've got them, they're arguing. Yeah, I know, it's surprising, Christians argue, but they, and they're arguing, and they're suing, and this big, you got a church with a big old mess. Now, once again, I've already said this, on this side of heaven, every church is a messy church, but they've got some Specific messes, and so the apostle Paul he writes this letter to them in order to clear up some of the messes they have and help instruct them. And so we've been kind of going through that um, last week. Um, so in week number five. We um, kind of took a, a shift, or he took a shift. We come to a portion of scripture where he starts to talk more. Um, I don't know harshly. He talks about things that are kind of difficult. We're going to be. He started looking at sin. And so last week, this week and the next, we're going to be looking at some specific sins and stuff, but um, it's hard, man. It's hard. Uh, last week, he looked at unrepentant sin in the church, meaning this. Um, if you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, you're a Christian, you're going to church, you're in the church, but you can you continue to sin, walk in that sin, do not repent of that sin. Paul says, as a group, we have to lovingly and graciously address that. And that was last week. Come on, man, now we're going to get into chapter Six chapter Six is equally as difficult it's, it's just difficult we're talking about sin but we're going to be talking about today specifically. or he's talking about today is is sin in the church all right we're looking, we're looking at sin in the church and yeah I know that can be it can be uncomfortable it can be uncomfortable sin in the church um so let me just kind of begin it this way I'll just set it up this way um we all know this. We know this. Um, it's one thing to have a right theology, but it's a whole nother thing to actually practice that theology in your life. It's, it's a whole nother thing to actually live in light of the things that you know to be true, right? So, in other words, it's easy, well, we know this, to talk, to talk, but it might be difficult to walk the walk. It's a tension. It's a tension. Theologically, that tension is what you would call um, the difference between orthodoxy and orthoproxy. I know we don't use those words, but orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is truth relative to knowledge. So I know things. Okay. Orthoproxy is truth relative to lifestyle. You got these two things. Now you you all walk in this tension. You absolutely do, man. You know. You, I know what I know. I know what's true. Then I get out in the world and I want to walk and I want to live in light of what I know to be true. Um, before we get to text, I can kind of set this up. Um, well, I, I, I'm going to talk about my own life. Okay, this this is my own life. This is a, this is an area in my life where my orthodoxy and my orthoproxy don't really line up, and I'm working on it. I'm trying to, but it has to do with eating food. Okay, here we go. So in my house, um, my wife occasionally makes something that I call chocolate chip pan cookies. I don't know if that's their official name. I just know I like them. Okay. Now, when these things get out the oven, they are just irresistible, man. And so um, I I eat them, all right? I know they're good, and I eat them. Now, I know this. I know that there's a limit to how many I can eat before I get sick. That is my orthodoxy. That is my chocolate chip pan cookie orthodoxy, all right? But there's this line, there's this line, right? I could eat, I don't know, three of them. This is one sitting, by the way. But I can eat three of them. But I know if I eat that fourth one, I'm going to go over to feeling bad. I know that, all right? And so I've eaten three, and I'm about to eat the fourth, whatever. And my wife will say to me, Travis, you know, if you eat that, you're going to get sick. I say this, I know that. You ain't telling me something I don't know. And so I grab the fourth one, and I eat it. That's my orthoproxy. They're not in alignment. My orthodoxy and my orthoproxy, they're out of alignment. The they're not in. So, so, so what happens? Well, I get, I get a little tummy ache. You know what I'm saying? That's not a big deal. I mean, I, I, live, I, live, I live I live, to eat more cookies later on, you know? But that's one area. But when it comes to sin, it's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. When your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy aren't aligned, it is a lot more devastating than a tummy ache, okay? And so now let's go back to this church. you got the Corinthian church. You see, they've got that same thing going on. I wouldn't. I understand we got some of that stuff going on too. I get it. But they got this stuff going on, and you got these guys. They get saved and they have the right knowledge, but they're indulging in sins they should not indulge in. Now, here's the thing: they do what we all do. Listen, we all do this. Here's what they do: they got a sin that they like. They got a sin that they're walking in instead of repenting of it. What they do is they develop these I don't know elaborate arguments as to why the sin that they're doing is not. Contrary to the Bible, they got all these little. You know, we do that. We do that. But their orthodoxy and their orthoproxy, they weren't matching up. Apostle so Paul says, "Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it." So we're going to talk about it. Let's get into it. That's what's going on. You got these guys doing stuff they ought not be doing. They know. They know it. He's not convincing them that it's wrong. They know it. Look at this. He begins this way. Paul asks a question. That's where we're going to begin. Paul's just going to present them with a question. Here it is. Okay. Or do you not know? Once again, that's the orthodoxy. Church, do you not know? And this is, this is, this is a rhetorical question because the answer's in the text. It really is. Um, do you not know, orthodoxy, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he makes a declaration, do not be deceived. All right? So that's it. Do you not know? Church, do you not know that the Unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom of God, and they would say, "Yeah." They, the, the church would say, "We would say, oh, we know that. We 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 know that. We know that." Then his question is this: Then why do you behave like you're part of the world? That's his question, right? Why is your orthodoxy, what you know, is true? So different from your orthopraxy. What's going on? Things are out of alignment. What in the world are you doing, church, allowing the rules of the world to govern your lifestyle? Why are you acting like that? Your behavior is inconsistent to who you are. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, man. You know this. You're not of the world. You've been saved out of the world, and you're acting like the world. What's going on, man? And then he says, don't be deceived. I love that. Don't be deceived. Church, don't deceive yourself. Individually, don't deceive yourself. Corporately, do not deceive yourself, okay? And that's this whole thing, right? So you think, oh yeah, man, oh yeah, oh yeah. So you think because you went to church when you were, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years old, it doesn't matter, you said a prayer, you got baptized, whatever, you now think you have freedoms to do whatever you want to do. Paul's saying, don't deceive yourself. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. You have immense freedoms, my friend, but you do not have freedoms to sin. That's what he says. We're gonna, he's going to build this whole argument. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Now he's going to switch, and he's just going to give you a list of all these worldly sins. Look at verse 9. Look. Man, this is a big old list. By the way, 2,000 years ago, we still got the same list today. The list don't change. list don't change, man. Neither the sexually immoral... Nor idolaters, no adulterers, no men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is not a comprehensive list, right? But it does represent all the sins that characterize an ungodly society. And these characteristics should never characterize the redeemed community. That's what he's saying, all right? He keeps going. Here's where we go, okay? Remember, it all all got kicked off. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Verse 11. And, come on, come on, church. Look, And such were some of you. Yeah, we were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I love it. I love it. We need that reminder. Church, we need that reminder. Such were some of you. Yeah. You look around like, I know I know man well, you look around the church and you look around the church and God God doesn't really have a whole lot to work with, does he? I mean I mean I mean look at me, man like, you got a lot to work with, and he does it all Jesus does it all Jesus saves, and we can sit there and you can look at that list and we've got to remember this you know, you know those, this whole list, man and you're like unless the world does that, and we got to be very careful that we don't sit there and get on a high horse looking at all that stuff and 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 and, and just like, what are you doing because the reality is apart from Christ, we'd all be doing that. Such were some of you. But what? But what? But but what? You were washed, man. You were, you were, you, 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 were, you were saved, man. Yeah, okay. You were like that. But by the grace of God, you were saved. You're a new person, new creation. You are part of the church, man. Now you do not let the way things that did govern your life govern your life now. You ought not, you should not be walking how you once did. Act like it. All right, so that's the question. Do you not know? He keeps going. Next he's going to make an argument. Paul makes an argument. All right. This is beautiful, man. This is beautiful because the we get to see here in verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13 and I'm going to break them down. But we get to see the actual conversation that Paul is having with the church 2000 years ago. This is like a this is like minutes Minutes from their meeting, man, this is exactly what they said. Now, it's exa- it's, nothing can be more up-to-date than this because we do the same thing. But let me read this to you, and then I'll let you un- help us understand better this conversation. Here we go, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy both one and the other. The Lord is not, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. All right. This is just a recording of a meeting. Basically, there's a conversation going on here. I want to show it to you so you understand it better. All right. First part, the Corinthians, the church, they say this to Paul. All things are lawful for me. That's their argument. Christ died on the cross. Sins paid past, present, and future, all things are lawful for me. But then Paul replies, but then all things are helpful, right? But then you see the church, and this is what I love. They double down. It's like they're toddlers, they're stomping their feet. They say, Look, come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. All things are lawful for me. They double down. Paul replies, But I will not be dominated by anything. Now the Corinthians, they shift their argument. This is the same argument people make today. They say this, look, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, listen, Paul, 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 I Man, God gave me desires. They're using hunger here, but it's going to go up to sexual immorality, whatever. But, but, but God gave me a desire to eat food, all right? God gave me that desire. Should I not satisfy that desire any way I see fit? That's the argument, God gave it. It's a God-given desire. Praise His name. Praise His name. And now I can, because of my freedom in Christ, fulfill and satisfy that hunger any way I want. Paul says, look, and God will destroy it all. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, any immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He's like, yeah, man, come on. Paul's like, yeah, it's true. It's true. God has given you desires, church, Church, Jesus never that, that never denies that we've been given desires by God. We got freedoms in Christ, but my friend, we are not free to sin. We're not. We're free to worship Jesus, right? Christian freedoms doesn't mean you got freedoms to do whatever you want to do. Okay, but we can break this down because I understand. I understand. Listen, God, yeah, t- I understand the tension between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. I actually, I get it. I get it. We walk in it, Paul, and this is what I want to break down here. Before you indulge in any kind of, I don't know, um, meeting or satisfying or even sin, Paul says in the text, there's three questions you got to ask yourself. This is really practical. This helps me. All right. How do I know if I can exercise my freedom, right? How do I know if my freedom encompasses what I want to do or whatever my flesh says? Three questions. Here we go. You can write them down. They're not in your in your in your text. In, in, in your notes. I ran out of room. Back in the day, our our worship guides were bigger, and I could give you a lot, but they're small. But you can whatever you find useful, you can use. First question. Does my freedom cover this? Ask this question. Is it beneficial? All right? The thing that you're about to do or do is it beneficial? He says, but not all things are helpful, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got freedoms. I got freedoms, I got freedoms, I got freedoms. I can eat all the chocolate I want to eat, but is it beneficial? Let me just, I'm going to share with you some arguments I've, I've had in my life. You know, people come to me, lovely people, whatever. This comes from young men. Most of the interaction I had is with young men. I love them. Young men, I love, I've told you guys, I love young men. The church needs young men, but sometimes, because I've been a young man, young men are goofy. Okay, so, yeah, man. So the guy comes in, he's, he's, doing, he's in the church, but he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. He goes, hey, listen, Travis, get off my back, man. What I'm doing is legal. It's legal. Oh, it's legal. Okay, it's legal. And I just say, my friend, listen, there's a lot of things that you can do that are legal, but it does not mean it glorifies Jesus, right? As a Christian, our standard is not what is legal. Our standard is what honors Jesus. And I can walk you through the conversation, you know, anybody I've had these, you know, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. It's legal to go on the internet and look at whatever you want to look at, man. That's legal, man. Well, let me tell you something right now. Does it honor Jesus? Does it does it, does it it help your marriage or your relationships or your family or your church? Does what you're looking at help the church at all? You know, you got another, another guy, love a guy, whatever. He's like, he spends his time playing video games. I'm like, man, listen. Listen, listen, it is legal. Yeah, it's legal to play video games. Listen, it's legal to go in the basement of your house, be in your boxers, play video games all day long while your mama washes your dirty laundry, man. That's legal. But is it helpful, man? Are you leaving a legacy? How in the world is that helping our church? How in the world is that building the kingdom? How in the world is that beneficial? That's the question. Is it beneficial? Second question before you practice your freedoms, Will it enslave you that 's what he's I will not be dominated by anything. You get to romans six sixteen it says, "You are slaves of whatever you obey all right basically he's like, man people here's the argument, and once again, I get these. you may have said them i've probably said them, and I've repented, but i 'm an adult i 'm an adult man well i 'm an adult. I can do what I want to do with whomever I want to do it with." I'm free, I'm liberated, i got all these freedoms. And Paul says, no, you're you're actually a slave to that. You've been enslaved by it, right? If you're stuck in a rut of sin, of a habitual pattern of sin, you might say I'm free, but Paul says, no, you're a slave. You're a slave to that. If, If you cannot stop doing it, you're a slave to it. It's an easy argument. You can't stop it. You're slave. You're slave. It doesn't enslave me. I want. I got a buddy. Once again, um, got got a friend. I was a little bit younger, man. This guy smoked, and uh, once again, I'm not commenting on any of that stuff. But um, I'm just—he smoked, and I'm like, man, listen, that's not healthy. Um, I say, I told him, I'm just joking around. I go, man, that that cigarette owns you, and he said this to me. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, man, I'm not a slave to cigarettes. I can stop anytime I want to, and then he paused and he goes, I just don't want to. I'm like, come on, man, you're killing me. No, you can't. You get enslaved to things and you convince yourself you're not, but Paul, you're not enslaved, but that's the question. Will it benefit you? Is it beneficial? Will it enslave you? Third question is: does it glorify God? Verse 13. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body, right? You can only really broaden this out to any sin, right? But here's the argument they are making. Here's the argument that many make today. You hear it, Chris. This is Christian specifically. This is, make Christian go, man, Travis, this is my body. It's my body. I can do with my body whatever I want to do. My body, my body, my body, my body, my body. When someone tells me that, I like to ask them this question Who told you that? I don't know who told you that that body is yours, right? I mean, then they're gonna ask it to the Let me just ask some questions. I asked them, right? Who made that body? God. Who came to live in a body without sin, die on the cross in your place for your sins in a body, Jesus Christ? Who coming back? Jesus is. Who's gonna judge sin? Jesus is. Who you gonna spend eternity with? Jesus Jesus, 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 Jesus. Question is none of that makes it sound like it's your body. What do that's not your body? He made it. He redeemed it. You're going to be with Him for eternity. It's not your body, man. And I can ask, once again, I speak more harshly to, to men, young men, but I'm just like, man, give me some evidence. that that. Give me a shred of evidence that that body belongs to you. Nobody ever done that. No, because it can't. It's on loan, man. Christian, it's on loan. And it wasn't given to you. To be immoral. This body, church, come on. This body was given to me to enjoy, to be sure. Okay. There's a good enjoyment. There's no doubt. Um, it's given to me to worship Jesus, to honor Jesus. I don't, I wasn't given a great voice, but I'm still singing to Jesus. It was given to me to help build up the church, right? Not to disrespect him or dishonor him. It's not your body. It's not your body. You can't even, you can't even, you can't even add, you can't even add a day of life to your body, man. Dude, I told you guys this. Um, you guys, in about, I don't know, a couple months, I'm going to be 50 years old. You know, Here's the deal. But I you know, b- body's changing. I started getting, I started, listen, you got to help me out. I started getting these little hairs out the ear. I can't even stop that, man. I can't even stop. I'm the tweezers. Beep, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning. i have to ask my wife, how do you the tweezers? So you got these, this is, this is all for information. So I've got these big old you know magnifying mirrors but anyway, point is this: not my body man. I can't control anything. all right. so let's move on. all right he's going to continue. now Paul is going to give a defense. all right here's the defense. that's beautiful. and God raised the Lord and will also raise up raise raise us up by his power. that's a fact, Jack. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Whoa, 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 whoa. So not only is my body not my body, in addition to it, my body is part of Christ's body. Come on. Shall I, once again, it's kind of rhetorical here. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Once again, we could get into all the definitions, sexual immorality, emphatically, Never. Not. It's an impossibility. Never even let that cross your mind. Never, 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 never. That's what Paul says. Verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. I can pause now. Grant, I married you. We talked about that. Come on. I mean, I didn't marry you. I married you, but I performed it. Two, one, two, one, two, one. That's the Bible. From Genesis chapter two, three, get it. Two becoming one. Verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes what one in spirit with him, right? That's Paul's pushing into this, guys. guys, you, guys you can't sit there and do whatever you want to, however you want to, right? Not only is it not your body, you're part of the church, man. And once again, I'm just rolling out popular arguments. There's an Argument. Argument. I love these I love, I love arguments. if they're nice, we're not mean, but you know. Travis man, what I do, get off my back, man. what I do just affects me. What I do doesn't involve you or the church. It's a private matter, right? I'm not hurting anybody. Travis, leave me alone." I know, man, I say, change your phone number because I don't keep texting. Maybe they do. I don't know. But Paul is saying it's just not true, man. It's not true. It's not. It's not a private matter, man. If you're part of the church, you're part of Christ. It's not a matter. And So I, this last week, I started thinking about this. Remember my old sin. I tried to think of one sin that I do that only affects me. I couldn't think of one. Now, there's clearly there's a lot of sins that I commit that I'm unaware of. I get that, and I'm um, anyway. I understand what. No, and I asked the last services, I'll ask you this. If you can think of one sin that you do that only affects you, please text or email me or call me. I won't know what it is. I do, because I, I don't I, I do nothing. Church, if you're a Christian, part of the church community, isn't there? Well, well, look at stuff on the internet. Yeah, you do. It affects more than you. You're sinning against yourself. You're sinning against the person you're looking at. You're sinning against your family. And I tell you what, most important, you're sinning against God, right? You're gonna be selfish. I love to, We do we love that, we love to shine our egos in front of people. I know it. That's a perpetual struggle, perpetual for all of us. We wanna boast, we wanna, in different ways, it's subtle, whatever. But how is that only affecting you? You're sinning against yourself. You're sinning against those. You're elevating yourself up and above. It's it's, it's 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 just it's just crazy, man. Go on and on. I was going down the list, going down the list, going on. My sins affect well, they affect me because I sin against myself. They affect my family because I'm sinning against them. Affect my friends. Affect my church. Guys, listen. My sins affect. We affect one another, right? We're one body so i was thinking this maybe i do not understand the definition of a private matter because it does not sound private church we connected we're connected family friends all right paul that's great that's good paul then my question is this um what advice you got paul what advice you got he tells us paul offers advice I, this is some of the favorite advice that I've received in the Bible, practical advice. Here's what he says. I love it. One word. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. And that's any sin, really. Flee. Every other sin is a problem, is a sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Once again, this is rhetorical. Yeah, we know this. That's our orthodoxy within you. Whom you have from God, church, you are not your own. Okay, I love it. Okay, so Paul says, um, really, what? Flee. You know, flee, get away from that stuff. I mean, I know, look, literally, run if you have to run, right? And it's really kind of unexpected to a degree because the Bible gives us. Multiple ways to deal with sin. The Bible says what? You can you, you read the Bible. You can on the Bible. You can pray. You can get in the Christian community, all that stuff. Paul doesn't offer any of that advice. Paul says, do one thing. Run. Kill the sin. Don't play with the sin. Run. Flee. Flee. That is great advice. Great advice. I'm going just share this with you. I'm sharing this with you because I think we have all done something similarly. Had this, had this, had this young guy. He's a Christian going to church, and you know he comes to talk to me and he's He's, I got a heavy heart, got a heavy heart, and he's like, Hey, listen, Travis, um, man, um, I got a girlfriend, and I'm like, Good, because you're ugly. No, we were friends, and um, I go, Praise God, she's a Christian, and he goes, He goes, Here's the deal, though, man, um, I'm, I'm struggling because we're struggling with purity. We're crossing lines we ought not cross. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm sorry about this. Let's talk about it. He goes, well, well. Here's the deal, man. Listen, we actually had a plan. Here's our plan. Um, we decided, because they both went to our church. We decided to to come together and um, just spend some time praying about it. Well, that, that sounds relatively. That sounds good. He goes, but it didn't end how we anticipated. I don't know what are we talking about? He goes, well, here's the deal, man. Um, we didn't foresee this problem, but we met to pray about it. Alone, you know, come on, dude, you knucklehead! You can't be doing that because he said, "I know, I know." Because what ended up happening, they got together to pray about being pure, and they ended up not being pure after they prayed. They didn't. Uh, Paul says, "Flee, man, flee!" You get, man, we, we do that in countless ways. I've done that in countless ways. Like, like, you know, no, seriously, not with that. But he's you know, oh, like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I want to, I want to start eating healthy, and then I put like ten packs of Oreos in the pantry. How's that going to help? Hey, and by the way, um, running, fleeing—I thought about this twofold, twofold advantage. One, you flee from the sin; two, you get in shape. You know what I'm saying? You just run, just run, <laughs> just run. That's what he's saying. All right, keep going, flee. Now, I want to share this with you real quick too. Many times. Two times, actually. I think there's two reasons why we don't flee sin as we should. This is my own experience. First reason: this is what we got to deal with. This is what I got to deal with in my own heart. Oftentimes, we aren't really seeking to get away from sin. You know, you know we talk about it. We don't talk about. It. I don't talk about it. I like. I want to be holy. But I don't like the actuality of being holy. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm going to be holy, but I don't want to be holy. And that's what we do, man. People do that. They're like, man, they talk about it. I hate my sin. I hate my sin, but I'm going to keep cuddling up with my sin. Well, that's just that's good. To nah. Flee. Take it get serious. I'm talking about, my, I'm talking about myself, right, and all of us, too. I've talked about this before. I think there's this insidious ideal that many of us have, and I've had it before, too, that God is not a giver of joy. I think God's a taker of joy. Because here's what happens. I'm reading something in the Bible, and God says, don't do something, whatever. Don't. That's dangerous. That's sin. My flesh wants to do that. And I think to myself, if this is true, what God is saying, that He must be trying to take this joy away from me. But the truth is, that's not true. Um, Jesus says, uh, John 10.10, 10, He says, I come to give life abundantly. That means, that means, that means, Anything God speaks into your life is put there for the purpose of leading you to joy, not to take from you. you. Give God glory, give you joy. So anything God says, so you got these sins that so easily entangle, and you know you ought not be doing them. Please, no, it's not to steal from you; it's to give you joy. All right, Paul, what's your conclusion? Number five, fifth point. Paul's conclusion. This is for us, Christian. Silverdale Saint Elmo. For you were bought with a price. That's true, man. That's true. So, because you've been bought with the price, glorify God in your body. Come on, let your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy be in alignment. Walk the walk and talk the talk. Let it be in alignment. That's what he's saying, man. Why? Because you were bought with the price. Did not cost you anything. Didn't cost me anything. Doesn't mean it was free. Christ died on the cross, man, in my place, man. He did it all. Jonathan Edwards says this, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that makes it necessary to be saved. True. True. And because of that, I was bought the price. Yeah, man. So what do I need to do? Glorify Him. Glorify Him in your body, church. Glorify Him in your body. All right, that's good stuff. man. I want to walk right. It's a struggle. Talk right. God is good. This body is not yours. Hey, listen, you got tremendous freedom, Silverdale Saint Elmo, but you're not free to sin. You're not free to dishonor him. This body is not yours. It's on loan. Not only is it not on loan, it is part of a bigger body. And so we will glorify him in what we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this difficult text. Thank you for what you're teaching us in the book of 1 Corinthians. We desire to be a people. We desire to be a people who walk the way we talk, talk the way we walk. We want to glorify you in our bodies. I pray that we would be a people radically dedicated to our church. I pray that we would be a people men who serve our church, pray for our church, minister to one another, use our bodies for your glory. And I ask this, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.